Verdadores. Hello and welcome to Dab Without Borders, a podcast about the messiness of modern day dadding and the challenge of long distance parenting. My name is Blue and I am a Dab Without Borders. Hello and welcome back to the show. So today I have Drew Tupper, who is a parenting coach, a life coach and a relationship coach. Uh, he's written a book called Parenting in a Peaceful Home, if I got that right. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Parenting for a Peaceful Home. Yeah, I got that right. And he's very active on Facebook. So you could find him, Drew Tupper, uh, on Facebook. And I know he posts useful articles uh, around relationships and parenting and all that good stuff uh, and creates conversation there. Um, But yeah, he's really great to talk to in the sense, you know, what I got from him is he's very intentional, uh, very calming presence as well. So when he's answering questions, he's very thoughtful. yeah, great wisdom, uh, you know, given the work that he does, but also that he has a family. He is a father of two children and he's very, you know, he's done a lot of work, you know, to be the best parent that he can be. Uh, an ongoing process, I'm sure, like every human on this planet. Um, you know, he's maybe not quite the Zen parent, but, you know, he's very aware that that's maybe never achievable for anybody, to be honest. Um yeah, we're all human, so we all kind of make mistakes and we all need to do the work. Um, and that's really what we're talking about today is doing the work um, and being mindful in the way that we want to show up for our family. And we talk also about emotional intelligence. Um, I think that's one of the big takeaways today um, is that topic as well. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. Um, so, as ever, please enjoy. So Drew, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And let's just start with who is Drew and can you introduce your household? Yes, Drew is a 46-year-old Canadian man from Ontario, now living in Victoria, British Columbia. I moved here about like 16 years ago with my girlfriend at the time. Kiku, who is now my wife. So we've been together for 20 years and married for 15 of those. We have two kids, Emmett and Pearl. Emmett's 12, Pearl's nine. And uh, yeah, we we have lots of fun together. Um, We have a fun, peaceful, lighthearted home. And I really tried to design it that way because that's what I wanted. I wanted to have fun at home. I wanted to enjoy myself. And so we're like a, a fun, loving, active family. And you're a parenting coach and a life coach, right? That's right. I, f- I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I'm a life coach and uh, I started out and still do a lot of parent coaching. So did that help you with your parenting? Or were you already skilled at the parenting piece before you became uh, a parenting coach? Well, I've always been uh, involved in personal development. And then so when my first son was born, it gave me a chance to dive into that even more because as people know, par- as parents know, um, having kids is challenging. It's, it, it's a whole new ball game, whole, whole new ball of wax. And so that stretched me right from the get go. And I was, one of the reasons why it did stretch me right away was because I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to show up as a dad, as a parent in a really good way for my son. I had, I had like high standards for myself to do the job well, and I still do. But that was the motivation for diving into parenting, trying to understand it, and trying to figure out how do I do this well. And so that was my first bit of education around parenting, which is being a parent. And through that, I educated myself so much and did different kind of trainings that I became a parenting coach. So how was that experience for you, the transition into parenthood? The baby screaming, 
Uh, did you manage to hold it together? Like, how did that look? It was uh, a mix of emotions. It was, um, you know, really amazing and, and meaningful to have something other than myself, something bigger than me to pay attention to, to devote myself to, to be committed to. It was scary, not knowing what to do, um, unsettling in that I didn't know if I was doing the right thing. Um, it was stressful. It was exhausting. It was amazing. Uh, you know, I remember moments of just like holding my baby on the couch and like hours passing. Just, I don't know, even know how, just looking at, looking at him, looking at, at him in the eyes and being like, oh my God, this is amazing. And just being so in love. Um, and it was really frustrating because I wasn't being the dad that I wanted to be that, you know, I, I quickly found out that what I know now is that I was not, I was not emotionally regulated. I was not, um, I didn't have self-regulation. I couldn't find my composure. Um, it was external to me. It was out of my control. So if, and when my son at the time was really crying or screaming, it really bothered me and it really threw me off my center. And I didn't know about emotional intelligence and awareness. I knew a little bit about it, but not in practice and certainly not with this level of intensity. So that's, those are the different things I experienced first having a child. Well, you say that and, you know, I think about me and my ex-wife being thrown into parenthood and both having slightly different views about the best ways to parent at that time, just trying to figure it out. I was probably trying too hard, to be honest. And a part of that is because I couldn't stand the crying. It was the worst sound. It would, I would work extra hard becoming obsessive about mm -hmm. things like nap time to a mm -hmm. point that probably wasn't healthy for our relationship. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the nap was mm -hmm. ruling our lives and all the other pieces, um, you know, around the, the baby. I just wanted to be a really good dad. And if he's mm -hmm. crying, I don't know what it was, but my body kind of just went into fight and flight. Couldn't handle it. Much better now. Third child, much easier. Uh, I'm certainly a lot calmer now. But yeah, what did it look like for you when you look back? Yeah, same same thing. I didn't like it. it. It stirred up things inside of me that I didn't know how to handle. And I would do similar things. I would try really hard to make it stop in various different ways. Um, almost in a panicked kind of way. And, you know, I, I learned that, like, sometimes trying so hard isn't the medicine like trying so hard so much energy so much determination doesn't always equate to good parenting but i was of the mindset that it did if i try really hard at something that means i'm doing a good job when in fact the real lesson to be learned there was to separate myself from my child's emotion to let him have his experience to 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 be aware of and tune into my own and regulate myself and help myself become calm and composed and feel safe. And then from that place, show up in a powerful way for my child so that he could co-regulate co with me. And kids have an amazing ability to do this. You don't even need to say anything. They pick up on your energy. They pick up on your physiology. Um, and in fact, there's no real way to calm a kid down if you are, you know, physiologically, emotionally really activated. It doesn't have, it can't happen. So that's the lesson that I learned was that 
if I want there to be calm on the outside, if I want there to be an influence that I have, I have to embody it first. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And not just as a bit. Yeah. All age, really. Just to be that calm rock, you know, in the household. Um, ideally with the other parent as well, working together. So how did that journey unfold for you? So you have this kind of like crying and you can't really regulate your emotions in that way. Emotional intelligence may be something that you've got to work, work on. So how did that unfold? Like what are some of the things that you worked on either yeah. knowingly or unknowingly? Well, it, um, it was really hard because I wanted to do a good job and I wasn't doing a good job. So it involved a lot of frustration, a lot of um, sadness and mistakes. And, and um, what pulled me through was my commitment to my child, right? Like I'm not, I, I realized I'm not giving up on this kid. I'm not giving up. So I'm going to stop pretending that like I am, right? I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm in this for the long haul. So that was a big part of it was just, accepting that there was going to be bumps in the road, accepting that I was going to fall off the horse and then get back on. And so having a level of self-forgiveness and compassion and patience for myself as I learned was a big deal. So that was a big lesson that I had inadvertently learned in parenting was self-acceptance. Wow. I didn't know that I didn't know that through being a parent I would have learned that or that I was even lacking that. So that was a big deal. Um, but yeah, emotional intelligence was, I think, one of the first things I looked at. I, I looked at the teachings of Daniel Goleman. I think he has a book. It's called Emotional Intelligence. And um, it's an oldie but a goodie, you know, that book. And he, he lays out very simply and understandably the different um, aspects of emotional intelligence. And yeah, through some other work that I was doing, some counseling and uh, coaching and like workshops and classes, I pieced together a really robust understanding of, oh, okay, yeah, you know, self-awareness, self-acceptance leads to self-regulation you can't manage you can't regulate what you're not aware of so previously anger upset overwhelm would come out of nowhere oh it, it was out of the blue he, oh, i'm all of a sudden i'm really angry or upset and overwhelmed and i learned that it doesn't come out of the blue it's 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 there it's already there it's already lurking. It's, it's already increasing. If you can become aware of it, which a lot of men have a hard time doing because we, we were not trained to be emotionally literate. We were, we were actually trained to be the opposite. So if you become aware of what, what's actually going on inside of you through understanding your thinking, your feelings, the sensations in your body, you have a chance of managing it. And isn't that great? Isn't that great to know that we, ha we can have that kind of control so that we don't lose it on our kids and, and, and damage that relationship and, and hurt them? Yeah, 100%. Now, could you please summarize what is emotional intelligence? Yeah. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be as good as some of these experts and the people that pioneered this research. So go ahead and look for Daniel Goleman. Um, uh, who else is involved in this? I know there's Dr. Travis Bradbury also has a book on emotional intelligence. Um, so seek out your expert opinions there. But from what I know of emotional intelligence, it's the ability to, you know, be aware of, and accepting of your emotional reality in the moment and perhaps in, in general. And then being able to 
regulate that emotional state. Um, particularly in a mature way. So um, a high degree of emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is probably a scale, right? So on the higher end of emotional intelligence, we'd have the ability to regulate that towards mature and pro-social and productive behaviors. And that's the, that's the essence of it. And do you think having emotional intelligence, understanding emotional intelligence, is the key to good parenting? It's the key to good humaning. It's the key to, like, there's no one who is emotionally immature that's really, who's really emotionally immature, who's leading a successful and fulfilling life. I, I haven't seen it. It's like, you know, the emotionally immature will continue to sabotage themselves, get in their way, be confused by what's happening in their life, you know, won't be able to focus on things, will be making excuses for things. And it's like emotional intelligence and the study of that and the pursuit of it and the practice of it is a way of taking ownership of your life and putting into practice the things you need to do um, to become mature, to become composed, to become thoughtful, planned out, focused, uh, even forgiving, compassionate. And it's just like people that do that have a much higher degree of enjoyment and success in their life. Um, so parenting, business, um, relationships, friendships, whatever you, whatever domain that you want to look at, they would all benefit from studying and practicing this. Yeah. And I got to say that for me, I found that parenting is really, it's a journey in personal development. Yeah, because here's the, here's the deal is that um, the most powerful way of teaching is being. And so who are you being in your life? Because your child is going to see that, is going to feed off of it. It's, he's going, he or she's going to be evaluating it and like even mimicking it um, or reacting to it. So it's, it's a more of a holistic question like you're getting at. It's like, it's about being a good human. Parenting well is about being a good human. You can't show up in your life at work one way, out in public one way, and then come home and then be a different and good parent. It's all combined. It's all, the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. And so it's a good starting point to ask the question, like, how do I... How should I show up in this world? Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, our three, three-year-old, he really mirrors our actions. And sometimes I find that it's really hard not to have a tone in your voice, um, you know, when you're interacting with your partner and or in wife in this case. Um, yeah, sometimes it's really hard not to have that tone. So we have to be really mindful and really intentional in how we speak to each other um, and how we show up um, on a day-to-day -day basis in the house. I will add to that though, that the good thing is, uh, so one, one thing I've noticed is that he's so thankful about the meals that he's served um, by either you know his mom or myself. Um, he's incredibly grateful. Uh, so at least I feel like we're doing something right at least. I mean, it just feels like we can't drop our guard, you know? It's holistic. It's, and it's deeper than you could ever have thought imagined because um, we all have conditioning of where we've come from. We all had a certain model of parenting and that is with inside of us. 
it's like baked in. So unless you revisit that, unless you question it and ask yourself, oh, observe yourself. Unless you have the ability to observe yourself, which is hard to do. And then ask yourself the question, oh, do I want to continue doing that? And then have the ability to change it if you want to, then you'll just continue doing what you learned 30 or 40 years ago, in essence. And one of the things, like you mentioned, tone, is one of those things that's so uh, unconscious. If you think about, you know, 30 years ago, how teachers and parents spoke to kids, it was almost always with, with, with some exceptions, sort of a tone. There was like a lot of downward, condescending, you know, exacerbated, or is the right word exasperated? I can't remember now. But uh, annoyed tone toward a child. And so what, what happens, like almost like, almost like this tone of like, you're just kind of wrong or like you're trouble. So what happens year after year, the kids one, the kids two, the kids three, the kids five, the kids eight, the kids 12, the kids 14, the kids 15. What happens year after year after year of receiving a tone like this? Like, what now? What do you want now? Oh, I can't believe you did that. What were you thinking? Like, year, day after day, week after week, year after year of receiving this. And it's so, no one's trying, no one's trying to do it, by the way. No, no one's like planning out, this is how I'm going to speak to my kids. No one's doing that. They're just doing it. But I have a question though. What happens? Like, what's the impact of that for so long on an individual? What's the message being sent? What's the subtext? And we wonder why have people have self-esteem problems. We wonder why people have um, self-worth issues or, or they're worried about whether they're right or wrong. And can I do this or can't I do it? Can I pursue my dream? And we wonder why. And it, to me, there's, it's not much of a surprise. So... If, so here's the thing. If your tone isn't conveying definitely acceptance, love, positivity, then it's conveying something else. I just want to say, I think as well, it's really important that we forgive ourselves, um, you know, and not be too hard on ourselves when things aren't, when we're not being the best parent that we want to be. Um, I mean, our three-year-old is very much our teacher. Um and I find it's just, you know, it's hard to be a Zen-like parent. Um, so, yeah, I also think it's it's important, too, I've been thinking, to work through things uh, in front of our kids, um, at least for them to see us say sorry to each other. Um, yeah, what do you think? Because it's hard to be that Zen-like parent, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't worry that I'm ever going to get there. So I, I don't really... I don't um I don't set it as an unrealistic thing to achieve. Um I don't and I don't no longer do I blame myself for not being perfect. I think that messing up from time to time and repairing is completely understandable and it could even be a good learning opportunity. Like you're like you're getting at. But one thing I don't want to do is excuse um, mistakes as good parenting or what we should be shooting for. Like there's, there's something to be spoken about here, which is, ah, kids are tough. They're resilient. They'll get over it. Um, yes. And that does not stop us from what our responsibility is, which is like, especially if we're making a lot of mistakes, is not to excuse them. Understand that they're mistakes, especially if we're being like aggressive and frequently, you know, being unhealthy and hurtful. Like we don't want to say 
that that's just part of parenting. That we don't want to, I, I don't want to do that. Um, so I want to call out a mistake for what it is, but give it some acceptance and love, understanding where it came from and endeavoring to do better. While at the same time, knowing that I'm never going to be perfect. So I do, th and, and to your point, I think it's okay to apologize to kids, to let them see your human side. It's okay to apologize in front of them with your partner. Ultimately, ultimately, whenever something has happened, it's happened, right? So there's no point in like dragging anybody through the mud because of it and like blaming and shaming anybody. If a mistake was made, it's, it's what you do from here and how you deal with it from this point. And you can use it and you can reflect on it and go, okay, so what happened? What led us to that point? How are we going to try and not get there again? So that's, that's the way I would reflect upon a mistake. It wouldn't be like, that's unacceptable. We can't ever do that again. You know, we're going to ruin him if we keep on doing that. That kind of talk and pressure doesn't actually help. So uh, I kind of hold two things at once, which is like, you know, I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes as we all are. Um, and we can recover from that and we can repair. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like convince myself that it was good, good parenting. Like, I'm not going to try and say, oh, well, that's okay. That's fine. It's good parenting. I'm going to gently acknowledge that it's a mistake and try and do something about it. Yeah, like I say, I, I do think it's important to be gentle on ourselves and give ourselves some forgiveness. Um, and I will say, I do have a bit of a problem with the idea. It may be true to some extent, for sure, but the idea that, uh, I feel like we default to the term kids are resilient. You know, I feel like that's a bit of a go-to for too many people. Yeah. You can see how on one side it's true. And then on another side, it's it's used as an excuse to not be better or do better. So I'm interested to know for you, where are your blind spots as a parent right now? I think it's currently um, in the arena of being consistent in uh, asking my kids to contribute to the home. And this has always been a challenge of mine. And I haven't dropped the ball entirely, but I certainly haven't been like a like a well well practiced or an expert in this area, which is like routines and being consistent and being accountable myself and holding my kids accountable to regular contributions to the home. They're not resistant to it, and, and they don't give me attitude and like you know resist. Our requests are reasonable and they're they're kind for the most part, um, but there it's not as regular as it could be. It's I don't think it's I don't know if I'm really helping instill the idea of like personal ownership with regard to like space that you live in. So, do they have any pocket money um, or any allowance? Uh, so, for the chores, are they getting? payment um in essence i mean i don't like the idea of reward though uh so it's kind of a tricky one yeah i know what you mean and um there's so many different opinions on this one so this is a, an actually an interesting topic with different people different opinions and i'll give you my opinion on it i think that i don't like allowance for two reasons I don't like it because I want my kids to contribute to a community, to a place in which they live and they benefit from because they're part of it. Um, 
because we all contribute and that's what you do in a community. And I want them to understand that from a deeper level, not from a reward stimulus response level. I want them to come to the understanding that through empathy, through understanding that this is what we do in community. And if we don't do it, community falls apart. And um, so that's a lesson that I am hoping to instill. And it's not entirely easy because kids are egocentric and they are often asking, well, what do I get from something? And, and I'm, I'm always after the deeper lesson. I'm always after the deeper lesson. So that's one reason why I don't do it. And then secondly, um, I think it can kind of train kids in a way. Now this is, this could be annoying to some people to hear for them to be employees. Like here, do a job. Here's a task. I'll give you money. It's like, it's like, a, um, I'm instructing you what to do. You do it. I give you money. It's, it's, it's like an employee kind of mindset, which isn't a terrible thing, but um, I think that kids receive enough top-down authoritarian kind of instruction and they they are asked enough to comply and, and they're rewarded enough in, in the world and in school that, like, I don't want to go that way and I actually want to facilitate something else, which is more like an entrepreneurial mindset. So aside from the contributions we have at home, which are not paid, they're agreed upon and it's what we all do. There is, there are some opportunities for my kids to make extra money at home. They haven't done this yet. My, my daughters proposed one thing, but they haven't done this yet. And I say this, I say this to them. If you want to make extra money at home above and beyond the things that you do to contribute, which, which we've agreed upon, you can propose something. You can propose something that's above and beyond, like something totally different that, you know, that's your suggestion. And then, then we can um, talk about a fair compensation. We'll negotiate a price for it. So my daughter, well, she recently broke her thumb, so maybe this is why she hasn't done it. But last week she proposed that she'd clean the car in and out and vacuum it and wash it. And she's like, well, can I have like five or $10 for that? And I said, yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable. Um, we didn't get that. We didn't get there though, but, but they've both worked like outside of the home, selling cookies, selling muffins, having a lemonade stand. My son has a paper route and now he also walks dogs in the neighborhood. I think it's kind of cool that they don't look to us for money. He doesn't ask me for money. He has his own money at 12 now because they, they kind of know I'm not like, I'm just not going to go to the store and, and buy them frivolous things. And I kind of like that if they want something, they're trying to figure out how to get it themselves. Think about that kind of mindset. It's like a problem solving solution finding kind of mindset. First of all, it's like, I want this thing. Okay. And then it's like, instead of what a lot of kids think of, which is like, who can I get to buy it for me? Which trains some kids in, to grow up into people who are like looking towards other people to do for them. Who can I, who, whose resources can I access so I can get this? What they, what they end up learning is like, how, okay, so what can I do? Okay, so I, I have the ability, I have the power and the autonomy to do this. I can do this if I want this. And then it, uh, further lessons are like proposing something, negotiating, you know, doing the job, being responsible, completing it. So it teaches a lot of good lessons. So another thing on my mind is uh, I hear from dads often during the podcasts um, and just in life that it can be really hard to find quality time uh, to spend with your partner um you know however that looks and yeah it's something that i'm very mindful of i feel like it's often you know time 
with your partner is like the last thing on the list of all the things uh, that you do as a family, uh, inside and outside of work as well, being a thing that takes up a lot of time. So like how how important do you think it is for us to make that time uh, in the sense of it having a positive impact on our kids and ultimately them seeing what a healthy, loving relationship looks like? Yeah. Well, it's a great question and it's really important. I don't think many of us learned how to consciously relate and even like romantically relate in our upbringing. You know, if it wasn't modeled to us when we were young, and for many of us it wasn't, we weren't taught it in school and we fumbled around with it like in school and after. And so there's been no intentional learning or apprenticeship in this area. So there's that. And there there actually are ways to consciously relate and to create relationships that are fun and happy and sexy. Um, so the first order of business would be to realize that, that maybe you yourself don't really know how to do this. And you might be with someone else who doesn't really know how to do this. And not only that, you might also both be bringing in some baggage, some older ways, some dysfunctional patterns in the relationship that that you learned, that you uh, that were modeled to you. And so there's a high likelihood of that. So you throw that together with having kids and then having young kids, and then you got a recipe for um, some tough times um, because kids are incredibly demanding and a lot of attention and resources go towards them. Um, you know, an example of what can happen is um, moms can feel really overworked and their bodies can feel like overwhelmed and tired and like the one thing that was holding the relationship together which was the physical intimacy that they could connect together once in a while at least and, and to feel somewhat connected starts to fall off and then all you have left is responsibility and people wanting things from you and then your partner not understanding you and and vice versa so that is a real reality of what what happens to a lot of young families. Now, if you just know that, if you just know that that's happening to a lot of people, it can normalize it. You can go, oh, shit, great. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one. This exact scenario doesn't happen. I mean, it's just an example. Um, of course, there's different things that happen in different ways. But if you understand that, like, wow, these these early years are tough and they're tough because we don't really know how to relate our emotional intelligence is fairly low we don't our communication isn't that good i i'm still carrying my own conditioning and wounding into the relationship and so are you and now we have these kids holy crap like it's a big that's that's a big thing to deal with and so just knowing that and going okay okay all right Let's plan, let's, let's plan our way out of this. Let's come together as a team. Let's give each other a lots of love and acceptance and patience and realize that this is the deal. We've got some work to do. And if we want to get out of this together and hold and happy and healthy, then we're going to need to be on each other's team. We're going to need to support each other, try and figure this out as we go, probably get support from a third party um, and um, and and then and then hope that, and then hope then be optimistic that um, that you can make it I, I i i'm I'm just being so blunt and straightforward because you know no one ever really told me how difficult relating marriage and then having young kids would be. 
And I was floored by it. I was like, what the, how come nobody told me about this? This is ridiculous. This is like a war zone. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. And the fact that like, no one sat me down and was like, hey, listen, by the way, this is what's up. Uh, uh, so that's why I'm saying this now, in case anyone else realizes this. Um, it's hard. This is why a bunch of people get divorced, right? Um, this is why that happens. I mean, it's completely understandable. It's, it's, like you, it's like you're swimming in the ocean and someone hands you a big rock and you're already, you're already kind of drowning. But then after a while of like treading water for, you know, a day or two, the rock gets a little bit lighter and it gets a little bit lighter and it gets a little bit lighter. And you're absolutely right. If you can stick with it, if you can remain positive enough, and if you can take care of yourself enough. And so a real, a real thing that I can suggest in terms of having a healthy, good relationship is taking care of yourself first and foremost is, you know, if, if you are prone, if you're prone to overworking, if you're prone to, you know, perfectionism, if you're prone to emotional outbursts, you know, stress and deregulation, then your work is with you first and foremost. And that's going to benefit the relationship. So get help with that. Um, don't be shy. You know, if you're interested in saving your relationship and being a good parent, then put away your pride and just get some help and be honest. Like there's, there's no shame in, in coming to the terms with the fact that you, you don't really know what's going on and you don't, you don't, really have a great deal of emotional maturity say for example it's just the, it just is what it is it's a bit humbling but the sooner that you can start helping yourself the better that will be for the relationship and for the family a lot of people will jump into couples work right away like oh we're having a hard time as a couple we need we need to do some couple work and that hey that's cool it's great if it works it works and there might be a considerable amount of individual work to do first. So I wonder, are there any good life hacks? Um, you know, if we want to do the work on ourselves. So for example, I'm going to see a counselor again this coming week. Uh, it's around parenting and the fact that I have my eldest son overseas. And so, yeah, I want to check in on myself. Um, and, you know, what I'm the work that I'm doing around that to make sure that I show up as a dad in the best way possible, even from a distance. Um, but are there other things that we could do? Um, you know, or is it is it about seeing a counselor? You know, or can we? Is it exercise? Is it meditation? Like, what are some of the things that you would think, uh, or you would recommend? Bringing intentionality to the thing. So, if if the intentionality is like for you, it's parenting your child. Then you've you've brought intentionality to it. You've you you've made a commitment you've made an investment you have there's a time during the week where you show up and this is a focus so it's not just thinking about it it's not just being like oh i'd i'd like to um be better wouldn't that be great or or reading the odd book now and then although i don't want to shit on books books are great um but if you want to personally develop if you want to heal if you want to grow if you want to learn if you want to then my number one piece of advice is do something about it that involves more than just yourself because a lot of the times you don't know what you don't know and for a lot of men particularly and some women but more for men i think we like to try and go it alone, lone wolf. There's so many more women inside of personal development and communities online than there are men and parenting communities than there are men. It's, it's changing, which is good. Uh, but there's less pride, I think, for women. They don't have the pride around getting help. So 
that's that's what I would recommend. Like, you know, if I wanted to learn, see, men don't have a problem with this a lot of the time when it comes to a, a, some different kind of skill. I want to learn how to be a good carpenter. Well, there's a guy across the street right now that I'm pointing to his house. I know he's a carpenter. And I know if I really wanted to learn, I'd say, hey, dude, can I like be around you a little bit? Can I come to some of your sites? Can I, you know, and he would teach me how to, he would probably say yes. And he would teach me his awesome skills. And I would fairly quickly become a proficient carpenter. And I, that's just the way that would go. And so the same, the same is true for um, personal development, emotional intelligence, maturity, communication skills. Basically, apprentice yourself to somebody, find a group, find people that are better than you doing this and learn from them. I mean, plainly speaking, do the people that you're around lift you up or bring you down? Maybe they're neutral. I don't mean that's an option, but are they lifting you up? Like, is your partner lifting you up? Is your family lifting you up? And it's very easy for you to understand this. And, and some, some people would think, oh, I don't know. Maybe they are, or they would just kind of hope that they are. So here's the thing about being lifted up. You will feel it. It's unmistakable. You're, you don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to wonder if you have a partner who believes in you and who supports you. You don't have to wonder if hanging out with a certain friend feels good or it doesn't, or if it's inspiring or if it's not. You know. Because you can feel it. And so part, part of, you know, awakening, growing, uh, maturing, you know, leaving that Peter Pan lifestyle behind is making intentional choices about who you hang out with. Because I can tell you right now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with somebody who's trying to bring me down, who's trying to judge me or shame me. I just don't have the bandwidth for it. I don't want it. It's, it's out of place. It's like, um, I'm not available for it. I'm not accessible for that kind of energy. And so I made that choice a number of years ago. Um, and sometimes there's some hard decisions to make. Um, but it's, this is my life. And it's not that I, it's not that I would disown every person but i do make decisions about who i'm hanging out with and how much time and energy i'm spending with certain people because we have one life and it's like i want to be a positive force in people's lives and i want that in my life and if it's not happening like for my own health for, for my own like peace of mind i have to I'd have to let someone go or just not or choose something else. Yeah, it's your choice. You get to cultivate, like curate what kind of energy you show up in the world and certainly at home. And I remember making a decision, like I told you right at the beginning of this call, I want my home to be like joyous, fun, loving, uplifting um so then what do i do so then i am that i can't create that without being that can't happen and so i get i get to have what i want i get to live in the home that i want because i am that because I've created that and because I lead my family toward that. Yeah. And I focus on it. And if, if somebody makes a mistake, if I make a mistake, I don't spend too much time focusing on the mistake. Being like, well, this is bad. You're bad. It's a mistake. This can't happen again. I'm just basically, I let people save face. I let myself save face. I'm like, Hey, yeah. Looks like we went off track there. Let's get back on track. 
And I just keep going in that direction because that's what I want to do. Yeah, I think you're so right. It's so important to be mindful of who we surround ourselves with and the kind of energy we allow into our lives. Um, and yeah, I just want to say too that I agree. I think in the sense of asking for help and you know working with a counselor, uh, parenting coach, relationship coach. Uh, but yeah, stepping up and being willing to do the work. It's okay to ask for help, man. It's it's what it's what changed my life when I when I finally gave into the idea of getting help, which was actually an honoring of myself and a loving of myself. And it was a gift to myself. And since that, I'm like all about like, hey, <laughs> let's learn and grow. There's, there's no limits to this. I can get all the help I want to get. There's no shame. Um, so... Yeah, it's great. Whatever you do, know that like, this, I, I like passing this message on. Um, you know, you're not wrong and you're not bad. Uh, you, you may have made mistakes as a parent. Just because you have made mistakes doesn't like write you off. You're not like unlovable or unacceptable. Um, you, you can learn and you can grow. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. If you didn't plant the tree 20 years ago, that's okay. We can't go back and do it, but you can do it now. That is such a great message to end on, Drew. Um, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. And I am now inspired to uh, follow up about life coaching. Great. Yeah, there's some great messages um, from the podcast today. Um, it's been great chatting to you. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thanks, Blue, for having me on. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please do share and subscribe and leave a rating or an even better, a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Please find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dab Without Borders and a full list of episodes can be found at dabwithoutborders.com. Thanks for supporting the show and we'll see you next time.